Hello, my name's Phil Hubbard. And my name's Anthony Gosling, and welcome to the 4am Coaches Club podcast. So, Phil, um, looking forward to this one. As we've said already, uh, a lot off mic today about it, so it's really important that we get, hopefully, get across everything we spoke about today together. So today we're going to talk about the coach's lifestyle, coach's pros, cons, problems that we face, uh, good moments, bad moments. So I think it's really important we take some time to focus on what we do as ourselves. As, as we've both said many times already on this podcast, our jobs and our focus with what we want to do is all about the players and around them. However, we don't spend enough time ourselves looking after ourselves and, and reflecting on what we do and how things can be better. So on that, Phil, obviously, you come from very much a, a fitness industry as well as football. What's, what's the first things that come to your mind when we talk about lifestyle of coaches? Um, oh, when, I think, when I think about us as coaches, I, I just the first thing that comes to my mind is the unsocial hours. The unsocial, like, I, I think that's such a massive thing, especially if you're like, for, for example, me and you, or uh, like, uh, maybe me a little bit more in terms of like the fitness stuff. A lot of my clients are after five o'clock or before 7 a.m. or during the week uh, or on a weekend. And they're the same as my coaching. So I feel like my balance and my organisation has to be in, like incredible. Um, as well as a full-time job, you work a nine-to-five and then you've got two... Te- you've, I've got three teams on a weekend. And then... I've got one training night. I've got one night that I don't train. Which after next week, I'll be training on that night. And it's just hard. It's just tough. Like your, your friends are asking you and they're going, oh, come out on Saturday. And you're going, well, no, I've, I've got football Sunday morning and I'm looking after children. I'm looking after kids. Like it's not the same. We, we can't have the same lifestyles. And it's frustrating. It gets really, really frustrating on that point for me personally. No, I think absolutely. I think we'll elaborate more onto different points uh, later on. But as you said there, those those unsociable hours, is it can honestly really be a killer. And I think I I think we have a very unique situation. However, I don't think we're the only ones that suffer this. So having spent some time talking to and getting to know people who have been nurses who have worked at the NHS and things like that um, family members who work night shifts and things like that as well Like, it's not great it's, it, especially once you get into the consistency of it as well I think that's really difficult so very similar to yourself Phil um, for the last the last five years I've worked seven days a week um, and coached four or five nights a week. And then the last couple of years, it has been five nights a week plus Saturday, Sunday games. And it is difficult, it is tough. And I think that's really important that with a with a really good conversation and reflection with colleagues I work with, we've, we've all taken a night off in the week. Um, and with a, with a change of leagues, we've now moved from Sundays to Saturdays. So... I've now calculated a night off and, and a Sunday off, which very it feels very bizarre. Like waking up Sunday morning and now no game. And it's now taking that time out, which is I think it's been really good for me as well. I think there's something where I've been able to take more time to catch up on maybe admin work or 
spend more time with family or get on the golf course, things like that. So that's that's been a major positive. But no, absolutely, I think there's only a few there's only a few times and a few careers that take the opportunity to have those sort of hours, and it is tough. But at the same time, like we complain about it and we're not happy about it, but this is the careers we chose and we've kind of got a lump it. But I guess my question for you, Phil, and have you ever thought about changing jobs completely and, and going for a nine to five job? Every other week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think it just gets hard. I think especially, uh, uh, I hope you don't mind me asking, uh, Anthony, how old are you again? You're 27, aren't you? 25, mate. Oh, sorry, putting the ears on you. Um, <laughs> no, like for me, I'm 34. I'm 34, obviously, this week. Um, obviously, I don't look it, clearly. But, I see all my friends getting married and they're going out and they're having a family and I'm like, have I really spent that time to save my money and to enjoy life as much as I could? But I go, I, I go into this thing where I go, oh, I want to go, I want to, uh, like, I, I just want to change the scenery and I just want this. And I, I've, I've done the sales thing and I was very good at sales and I, I've, I've done the, I've done the marketing thing. Um, I've went and done the normal, the, the normal stuff, and I enjoy it. I enjoyed it, but and then I'm like, oh god, I love, but I love football. I love changing a kid's life. I love changing the. I love changing the 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 outset of for, for people. Um. And and I start and I start to miss it, and it's hard. Like it, it, like it's very very difficult to to battle to, to balance out and say I don't I I don't want to do this anymore. But then you go, oh god! But now I really miss it. And uh, like on a personal level, uh, I I had to stop. I had to stop when I was twenty two. My, my my father passed away. Um, I just couldn't look at a football. I felt like every time I was there, I could, I could see him, I could hear him, and every time I saw a, a kid getting picked up by his dad, I was, it would just bring up like something that, like deep inside of us, which I wasn't dealing with. Um, and it kind of goes back to now, where I'm like, I'm like, oh, I, should, I probably just need to go nine to five and and just be normal, just be normal, like finish work at five o'clock and have nothing to do <laughs> it would be nice not to not to not to mention the great british weather we have at the minute which is absolutely freezing <laughs> no um, I, I think that's that's the thing isn't it i think obviously you've you've mentioned my age things phil um <laughs> but on that nice for me it's yeah. People are like, oh, what sort of career have you had? What sort of jobs have you had? And a part of me just always says, oh, I've never had a real job. And they're like, what do you mean? And I was like, I've literally been, I've li- like my part-time job as a kid from about 13 and a half. Yeah, about 13, being like BBC man, little ball bibs cones on like Saturday soccer school kind of sessions, holiday camps. Yeah, and then... 15, 16, coaching, weekly teams, like getting my level one just before, uh, level one when I was 15, doing my level two at 16, 
goalkeeping level two, loads of things. Gone to my B license whilst at uni, went to uni to do a football coaching degree, got my master's degree in football coaching, B license, youth awards, now currently on my way. Like football coaching and football in general is literally all I've never known as as employment and as and as everything. Like I spend an outrageous amount of time in a coffee shop being my office because being a football development officer and being um, sort of remote working as such and having to bounce from here to everywhere it's just sort of where we've settled uh, me and my colleagues and like I see, I see people who have to turn up to have to turn up to work in a whole like three piece suit tie proper shoes and there's me in my like work track suit and a pair of like like runners <laughs> like it's um, it's, a, it's, it's a difficult one because I think We'll go on to this more towards the end of this conversation about the positives, the pros, the cons. But it's it's very different, and I think I won't say it winds me up, but sometimes you you can feel undervalued and appreciated at the end of the day because well, all you do on a weekend is teach little Johnny how to kick a ball from A to B. I really, really wish it was that simple, and I think yeah. It's, I, I I get it, and I, to a certain extent, I agree with it. But yes, footballers are paid crazy amount of money, crazy amount of time and effort goes into it as well, and a lot of money has then gone into it. And I, I don't necessarily agree with it to the full extent, um, but I can appreciate at times how hard people work in football, on the pitch, off the pitch, staff people working around the clock, things like that. I get that. And I also fully appreciate that works in other communities and environments and, and jobs. So I hundred percent get that and credit to everyone because it is tough. However, I just wish there was more appreciation put onto it as well, because I know, I know, for example, for a lot of people, we're doing a lot of extra work. And I think, Again, I can't speak on behalf of other jobs, but football very much seems like one of those jobs that what you sign up to and what you sign on the dotted line for and that job description or the one that you see on LinkedIn or wherever you may see it, you very, very rarely end up doing just that. And then what you also don't take in consideration is the other things that you put on, put into it outside. So on, on that, for example... I look at, I look at in particular, the I'm now in my fourth year working for a, an academy, and I I look at some of the away days that we've had. I've had some six six thirty leaves in the morning for a game up north or very down south, and then getting back to the office at half six in the evening to then have to go drive half hour home, like, and. Yeah, I'm I'm getting paid for two hours that I'm coaching on the grass in the middle of all that and it doesn't include the travel times. Yeah. However, some of those experiences I have, especially the slightly wet one weather ones, <laughs> are some of the best experiences I've ever had and have been a part of bucket list moments for me within sort of my development and what I want to experience for my coaching. So I, I can't knock that and I think that's that for me is one of the biggest 
and hardest things being a part-time football coach is the travel and commitment that goes into going to work. I obviously appreciate a lot of people, especially where where I live, commuting to London every day, Monday to Friday, and I can imagine that is an absolute slog. But at the same time, I think when you've got when you've got a ten o'clock kickoff, nine o'clock meet, and you go onto the uh, sat nav on your phone it's a couple of days before, and it's telling you two hours twenty five, like. At times, that can be extremely hard to motivate yourself for. Yeah. Or you look at it, you go right. I'm co- I'm coaching this evening. Open the window, open the curtains, and it's absolute dark clouds. <laughs> it's um. <laughs> you were going to say something else. Yeah. It's <laughs> uh, it's it can be hard to motivate yourself. However, like I look at take, I look at today for example. It's the, I had no excitement for the World Cup game today. Like I've woke up, dark clouds, majority of the day, raining. I've had to go do an after-school club, which is raining. And I've had three hours of coaching this evening. And again, this majority of it was in rain and it was cold. But actually, I had some really enjoyable sessions tonight. Like, really buzzed with that. So, I think the unsociable hours, I think, is probably, it is probably stereotypically that and, and money. I would believe are the, probably the top two things why people drop out of football coaching. I but... think money's the big one, being honest with you. I've, I've seen over the past, more since COVID and, and after recent times with, with everything going up, obviously, I, 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 I think more people have left it. I'll be honest. But over the past few years, I've seen a massive, massive drop massive drop in coaches oh god sorry I think I see it's so hard I've got there's and there's one coach I'll always remember I'm not going to say that name because that's that would be disrespectful but um they are, and they were honestly such a fantastic coach with loads of passion and and stuff like that and they had a chat with their family and they were like, is this really a career? And after they'd thought about it, they went, no, it's probably not, is it? And and it's, it's so hard to see that, where you go, that person, uh, I, I think they do it now, I think they do it on like a Saturday morning and, and they do a little bit during the day, just coaching, coaching a local football team. But now I think they work in an office and they sell houses or something and uh, I spoke to him the other day, and it, it's 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 hard because you know it's not that passion, but it's paying bills and it's putting money on their their table, and they want to go on nice holidays. And I get that. I I'm completely with it. I wish I could go on 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 nice holidays, but I just we just don't. I just don't get paid enough, uh, or I just don't don't have the time to to go and to go on these holidays or or whatever. But you look at it and you think that's quite, it's quite solidly tough. And you, you go, I, I, I wish I could help. I wish I could help the amount of coaches I know do coaching one-to-ones and then they have like another job, which is really unsociable hours and they're, they're not getting enough sleep. So that like the quality of that coaching probably isn't as good as it, it as, as they'd like it to be and stuff like that. It's, it's hard to see. It's really hard to see. No, absolutely. And I, I massively agree with you, and I think on on the side of money, I think there's a there's there's two 
points to this that I think are quite valid. I think number one is the salary that mm-hmm. I think that coaching as a whole, and this could just potentially be geographically where I live, is probably per hour one of the best paid jobs hourly rate. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously like. We have, I've seen young coaches who are 15, 16, playmaker, level one courses on £15 an hour. Mm-hmm. I've seen coaches uh, level two on 20, £25 an hour, B license on 25 to 35, something to 40, and then A license coaches that, and again, obviously, that's, that's more than the private work from there. However, I think also what is very difficult, and I've always been very, very fortunate in this, is the accessibility to courses and qualifications that and then open more doors and then the cost of them. And I, I'm, I'm fully aware of that. Like I look at some of the colleagues I work with across that they, they should be higher quality. They should be more highly qualified than they are, but money is a big factor and having to sign on that dotted line and, and they've waited years. So, I very much, I very much look at sort of me and my um, and my advanced youth award. I've applied for the last three years, and then I thankfully got on it this year. And it's uh, the email is, congratulations, you've been accepted on the course. Well done. Course starts on X, and then the next button, the next bit down, you scroll down is you need to pay X by X date. Pay here. And you're like, yeah. you think, wow, that's that's a considerable amount of money to uh, part with in one hit for a course that's going to take me a couple of years. But I understand it. I, I I get it, but I do think that's difficult, especially especially now when you you look at the accessibility of courses. Um, it's it's, it's extremely hard. It's I look at it now, I feel like. You think back the days when we did our level one and level twos, how easy those courses were to get on. And obviously now there's been a restruct, massive restructure, and I, and I get that. But the level one course is now all online. Yep. And and the C license that is now in England is pretty much all online. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, and it's so hard to get on. Like for somebody that lives ten miles north of of sort of London. At one point, a couple of months back, the closest sea license that we had in England for us was Cornwall, and Cornwall's not down the road. <laughs> yeah, like it's I'll, I'll give you south, it's south of England, but it's not, it's not there. So I think that's that's another hard one. And I, I'll be, I'll be honest, I've I've applied for my A license as well. Mm-hmm. I think I've applied seven times now, and I've been rejected every single time. And uh, you hear stories of people applying less times and got on, and people have applied double to almost triple the amount that I've applied for and, and still not gone. And I think as a result of that, and then there has been people that have applied for years, got accepted, and then their circumstances have changed. They've had to change jobs. They've Their family dynamics changed. Their, li- their living arrangements changed. You think... Yeah, like I'll, I'll give you that. Like when you started applying for it, you were early to mid twenties, and now you're early thirties with a family, and, and and you've got a mortgage and things like that. So 
I get it. It's it is crazy. So when I think from that point of view, regarding money, it is around salary and the cost of courses. I think that's that's very difficult. And I think if anyone is is struggling, potentially the idea of courses, I definitely am. Well, I'm of the opinion for coach development as it is that try and have a look at other national governing bodies in the surrounding surrounding countries. A thousand percent. I want to offer as well. I, I have I have a large I have a large friend base that went up to Scotland and even more that have went to to Ireland. It's a, it's actually it's actually so much cheaper for me to go over to Greece and go and do my air license out there. It would be so much cheaper. Um, and 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 this is the other thing. Like we've we've lessened we've lessened the actual touch base time but we've raised the price of the course and i just personally if anyone's from the fa is listening i apologize but just giving you my opinion i i I just think it's i just think it's wrong i think it's turned now into a money-making schemes the wrong word i don't know quite what the word would be but now i just think we're going into really deep dark waters where we're going okay now Sorry, like sorry, guys, but now you can only pass a course. You can only get onto a course if if you have a lot of money. If if, if, if essentially what 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 kind of splitting it? Not, I don't think it. By the way, I'll just point out, I don't think it's intentional. I actually don't think it's intentional, but it's kind of what we've done. We've said we've we've give it. We've said to people, okay, if you want to get on it. You need do you need three four grand to be able to get onto it, and I think I just think there's an element of that being wrong. No, I I absolutely agree. I I see where you're coming from, Phil. I absolutely do, and I think yeah, it's a real hard it's a real hard one to take that into consideration because having recently attended um, a block and a half of my AYA. I I can honestly say, like, my uh, my mind has been blown with learning, with the experience of it all, and I'm very much of the opinion that it is it it has a, and it will be the full worth of the course. And I think Wash, and again, this is interesting based upon the conversation we literally just had before we came live. Um, I think a lot of academia and science and experience and knowledge outside of the grass off the grass as well has has really come into play a lot with what we're doing in our coach education and i'm not saying that everyone at the fa or or wherever has university degrees or anything like that it's really maximizing a lot more knowledge like i think the depth of the courses has changed and it has really grown so i think from that point of view i think the fact the the content that you're getting from courses maybe six to ten years ago was good, but now I think it's of a completely different level. Yeah. Uh, uh, on that, the, I, I, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to disagree with you slightly, whereas I do think there has to be a, in terms of contact time. So now when you're level one, because it's online, we're not, we're not going to have that contact time with coaches 
other other reason I think I'm actually a half decent coach is because I've had decent contact time with very good coaches. Uh, I've 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 went and watched and spent time with the likes of Rob Atkin, Jamie Sherwood. I worked with him for seven, eight weeks, and my God, what an experience! It was contact time, and no amount of no amount of course or or stuff like that that will never and never ever give me the experience I'll have like that again. I worked with uh, Joe Kendrick, a uh, putter up here. And I probably learnt more from Joe Kendrick in two or three weeks in terms of the technical side. A little bit on the technical side because you, you knew he stuff technically. I learned so much in that short period of time because I was actually seeing it in play, uh, man management uh, with with the guys at Heaton Stan. The the man management that they gave, I just thought. I'll I'll not get this experience again. You, you go away and you listen to the Eddie Howe podcast. He went into changing rooms. He went into to meet CEOs. He went into meet meet owners of clubs because he wanted to understand more of what they look for, what they're doing on a day to day basis. And the sideline manner. I've spent time with over the last five, six, seven years with coaches, with different sets of sideline manner, some that won't speak at all, some that will tell other people to speak, some that will shout and scream and shout with the referee and, 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 and get on people's backs for literally 90 minutes and they're physically exhausted by the time of it. And, and I'm, by, by the way, I, yes, I do believe there's a certain amount of academia, but you need to go and spend time with good quality coaches and have that contact time. And I just don't, I think with everything pretty much going online and up in the prices, we're going to have less coaches. So we, we're not going to have enough for teams unless they're parents. And we're going to have less quality because we're not going into these wonderful classes, that, that which I agree are fantastic, but we're not going to have that time because we're not actually getting them in. Playmaker in level one, you should be in. I think you should be in in the course, talking to people. Going, actually, I've got this kid. I've got this kid that's really uh, like, like he's he's brilliant. Uh, he's my mom and dad think he's the the best thing since sliced bread. But I just want him to enjoy his football. What do you do? And then you get to have these great conversations, like what we're having now and what we've had every week for the last five six weeks. You do, do you know? And mate, sorry if I went off on a tangent, but. I just think that contact time super important. No, I, I completely agree with you regarding the level, the new level one and the playmaker. I think, I, I, yeah, I agree with you there on that one because I think that is the case. I think it's very much, I very much remember trying to reflect back on my level one and think about the things I learned on my level one and now suddenly it's getting whizzed through and it, it, it can be done in two, three hours when back then it was done over three, four days. Or, and, or two, three weeks, yeah. Yeah, and that might not necessarily now be the most efficient way to deliver it, but it is important to do so. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from, mate, and I 100%, uh, 100% see, and I think I'm, I, I must have had a very fortunate experience with with coach education and respect, and we're talking about qualifications coaching wise 
I've had some real top people and, and being around it. And I think one of the most amazing things I've, I've kind of really noticed from my last three or four contact days on the AYA is that actually people are a lot more open to have a conversation with you than you first thought. Like being, being in a room with coaches who work for some of the biggest football clubs in the country or in Europe, whatever, whatever from there, like some very big Premier League giants. And of the people that I spoke to, they're very open about their programme, their syllabus, their curriculum, what they do, their contact time. And it, it makes a world of difference. And it's, it's not necessarily something that I'm in a position to be able to implement myself, but it does. And I think that's, yeah, I've had some real good contact with people on courses and conversations and I haven't as a person I think purely because I've been very fortunate that I've always had quite a lot of coaching that I've never had the time to then go in and, and watch more people which I wish I'd do and I'm very grateful that I've got some fantastic colleagues I work with and get to watch on a week week to week basis um, and we have ridiculous amount of conversations and reflections about everything we do so from that point of view, it's, it's been really good. And I think that's that's really important. I think these these experiences that we're talking about feel that in a positive way that is it almost... For me, I think we've, we forget about this sometimes. And one of my colleagues who's worked professionally in the game at a first-team level, he he's always said to us that Sometimes you have to stand still and appreciate the, the good moments, especially when you're having that moment. Maybe it'd be a particular win. It might be a win or a trophy or it might be a particular session or or whatever it may be. Sometimes like we do need to stand still and, and absorb it and, and appreciate it because you don't know when the next one will be and you don't know how much stuff you've got to go through until the next one. And I think, and I think about obviously... We, we're just talking about some real positive experiences that we've had on courses and, and people we've watched and worked with. And I think it's, we've got sometimes to stop, stop what we're doing, the chaos of life and work and, and everything and, and take a moment to write things down, catch up on things and just take it in. And I think that's, that's what's really important. So sort of, oh, on on that and everything we've said so far, we will be sort of moving on to different factors. But for me at the moment, the positives and and the happy moments of and the successes of my work are outweighing the the cons and, and the hard parts. I think I very much for me at the moment for me at the moment, some of the best moments in my week is is a Saturday with the games. I was very fortunate that I had a double w- winning weekend. Um, had a cup game on Sunday with 18s, and then took uh, under 13 for a game on Saturday. And both teams won. Both teams won well, but both teams played exceptionally well. And like Sunday night, like buzzing cloud nine. Like think back at that actually like I'm going to take this moment in because I know what the 13s and the 18s were working on this week in training I saw 
both teams do those things. They still made mistakes, but the intent of what they were trying to do was there. All and you know what? Yeah. Buzz, like, bouncing around Sunday night, like, good vibe going into this week. Um, not so much now because I'm cold and I'm tired, but guys, <laughs> it was it was well needed. And I think for as much as the hard times and the difficult times grind us down, I think it's really important to take those moments to really appreciate the happy and positive moments because at sometimes they'll happen all the time and at times it's too far and few between. So I think that's that's a massive thing that we need to take away from this. Yeah, uh, I, I've, I've, I'm of the similar viewpoint and it's that one text for me because I, I, I work with seniors and it, it was the one text that I received it yesterday and um and I was like, How so how how are you feeling about everything? You good? And she went she went she was, Oh Phil, like I like I'm buzzing, I'm having a great season. I've played the same amount of games this season that I have over the last two. And and for me I'm always about coach development and I'm on about and, and, and trying to create the best possible learning environment possible. Uh, at all levels, by the way, because I think it's possible. I think it's uh, sometimes it's just harder. And to hear someone feels like they're getting better and developing, that you know what it is. That's it for me. Like, keep us on the same money, give me more hours, and keep me on the exact same money. No problem at all. But give me that. Give me that twice a month. And and that'll be that'll be more than more than enough that I need, um, and I think sometimes we forget about that. We go we go. Well, oh I'm really struggling this week, and uh, I can't think of a session. I've got to do this one's part of my syllabus, and I can't think of a session plan, and I can't think of this. Like I got it. Oh, I, I wish I could just work in an office job and be done at five o'clock, and then go home and and go to the pub with my friends. But then you go. But then I wouldn't receive that text. I I wouldn't have changed someone's life ambition. Like someone two years ago, uh, I, I was coaching them and they nearly quit playing football altogether. And within four or five weeks, and they're still playing now. So I, I'll take the small things. You have to take the small things sometimes. And you have to remember that we are selfless people working in an environment where we are alone. We we are alone and we stand alone. But when someone wants to come and stand next to us, they'll creep over and, and we can cover them with, and we can we can develop them so they go in front of us. And I think I think that's really important to remember. No, a hundred percent. And I think what's really important, I think one of the most rewarding things as well is that impact that you have on players and they're still they still appreciate it to this day. And I think I look at um, in the last four years in my academy role, I've, I've coached um, every age group from sevens to fourteens at some point um, where I've either had to cover a session or I've been on tour with them uh, as a support coach or, or things like that. So from, se- from sevens to fourteens, I've, I've coached across all the age groups there and have some form of relationship with most of them 
Um, it doesn't. Not they're all not amazing, and I'm not saying any of them bad, but some's just a higher hello. But play, players that I coached a year ago, a year and a half ago, two years ago, will still stop and say hello, give me a fist pump, ask me how I am, um, and and take time from them. And I, I look at it today, and two great examples is I'm walking past a session um, of players who are two years up, so well, they under nines now, uh, under ten, sorry, and one of them stepped out of his session as I walked past. Hi Anthony, how are you? Shook my hand. I'm thinking this is a ten year old kid. Like, yeah, fair play to you. Like, yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? He's like, yeah, very well, thank you. Like, enjoy your session. And I was like, God blimey, like, yeah. And then I think the one today was really, was really made me smile was the, the. Um, I used to have a, I used to have a old Ford Focus that when I bought it it had the F missing off focus. So it was an Ocus. So on the back it said, yeah, Ford Ocus. And one of the boys in the under 11s came up to me today. and was like, oh, at the end of my session, how's like, hi, Anthony, how are you? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. He's like, have you still got your Ocus? And I haven't coached this kid in like two and a half, three years. And he's just like, it just made me burst out into laughter. And we had a proper good giggle about it. And it was like, and I think that's that's one of the big, one of the, like that's that's something I'm gonna remember for a long time because yeah. it was it was respect like it was a sign of respect and and having some form of imprinting in it. it might not necessarily be in a football or coaching capacity, but it was needed. It was good. I think is is a massive positive that I'm gonna take away from these long days, the cold days, and I think that's that's where things become really important as well. So, absolutely. I think, obviously, we've we've spoken a lot now about coaches' hours. We've spoken about them being unsociable. We've spoken about the length of travel and, and things that we have to put into it. And, and there's also other other aspects from that. So, sort of on on that field, is there, is there anything else that kind of comes to your mind when we think about the coach's lifestyle in a good way or a bad way? Uh, I think that I think the, the I think the big ne- negative is, is loneliness, and we covered it in we covered it in the mental health bit. But but it, it just feels like you are because you t- yeah. I think I think people I think because we're self giving people we we probably feel we probably feel alone because we're taking on everything ourselves. Um, in terms of coaches' lifestyle, I think there's loads of amazing health benefits actually quite a lot of amazing health benefits there's we we get we get thousands and thousands of steps in i think well i i, I know around summer i was probably knocking off about 38 38 45000 steps a day um and, and and that that's incredible for our body not so great on the knees so we need we need more we need i think we would probably need more education in how to look after our body um more time to to do that i think there has to be an element of it in clubs incorporated and say listen this is part of your working day you've got an hour whether it be your physical mental health your so your physical well-being your mental well-being um it, it might be through prep you've got an hour during this day to go and do it 
he has use of the gym, he has use of this, whatever. I think clubs have to do that. And that's just my personal opinion. Um, I think there's fantastic elements of growth as we, I think we grow, grow more than others. And, and this is really specific in terms of lifestyle because I think we've had to, I think we've had to battle. I mean, I, I mean, I left, I left home when I was 18 and I had to fend for myself really early on. I had to, I, like really early on. I was living in a different country when I was 20 and I, I, had to, I had to go and fend for myself. I had to go and learn a new language. I had to go and to grow as a human really early on. I had to be empathetic. I had to understand sympathy from such an early age. So, again, it made all those things made me a really well-rounded human. Um, I, I made some mistakes. I made some mistakes. I got better. It got better. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, is there anything that you agree or disagree with there? Yeah, I think that's you've you've absolutely hit a nugget there about health, and I think for me, it gets broken down into sleep, nutrition, and physical physical activity. And I tell you what, mate, if I spend six weeks with you in the summer, mate, I'm gonna be fit as a fiddle if you're doing that many steps. Jesus, my knees struggle at ten thousand steps. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, absolutely, mate. And I think that's we we've spoken about this a few times now. But coffee, meal deals, energy drinks—it's it's not great. It's it's the easy way out, and I think that then becomes costly because we we speak about salary as well and and things like that regarding money. So it is difficult, and I think having spent four or five years of working like every day and and then as soon as you get that sort of as soon as you get that kick off time on a Sunday, like half ten, eleven, next year, you know, you're finishing at half twelve, one o'clock, you're then getting home at half one, two o'clock, and then you're getting home sometimes at three o'clock and next year, you know, it's like, right, I need to cook dinner. Or I need to like family members doing dinner or whatever, and it's it's great, and it's then right. I've somehow got to go prep five meals now, or I've got to go prep three meals. I've got to do my breakfasts, I've got to do my lunches. I've then got to work out what I want to do for dinner. I've got to go food shopping. It's it sounds silly, and it's I think it's just the convenience and the habits of things. So, um. For me, diet, nutrition, nutrition, um, drinking more water, cutting things down such as caffeine and and the other stuff that comes with it. Sleep, making sure, that trying to get as much as possible where possible, yeah. and also appreciating the time to have downtime, have you time. And I think that's that's something I've very much struggled with myself. I think. It's then trying to find a way that people can then clock off so they can have time for themselves, for their families, with their partner, their children, whatever it may be, their situation. I think it's really important because it's very much, I think, from what I can understand and experience that coaches at time at times can be very redundant to themselves and those close around them. And it's it's very much work comes first and 
I've definitely been victim of that over the years and I'm I'm far more aware of it now than I've ever been and it's something where starting to learn to say no more and and taking those times and that I'd be very bad that if I had time off and there was a game on, I'll go to the game. I'm like and I'll get home and I'm like, Why did I do that? <laughs> yeah. And it's it, like and, yeah. and- by the way, you to us talking about this. I'm hoping there's an 18, 19 year old coach who's who's who might be, but don't get us wrong, might have listened to some of the negatives, but just learn from the mistakes that we've probably made. Just learn from those mistakes, and you, you'll you'll go through it where you're like, you'll say yes to everyone, you'll be like, yeah, I can do that session, yeah, I can do that session. And then you'll get in the car and you'll go drive somewhere else and you'll be all over the place. But that's all right because we're humans and we've got to make mistakes. But if you can learn from this podcast, just learn that. It, it's it just just treat yourself with a bit of respect. Treat is treat yourself like you'd want to be treated, that like you you'd want someone to treat you. I think that's a I think that's a big one. Uh, and and again, it just comes down to education and and, and that's what, what what why why this podcast was started when. I wanted to to educate in our own in 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 my own way. I, I didn't want when well, I, I obviously I came up with the podcast and then I contacted yourself and and because I know I, I I know you are very very intelligent. I believe you you're, you're probably a very very intelligent, experienced, well mannered coach, and I couldn't think of anyone else better to do it with. Um. And and that that's why I wanted to do this. I wanted to educate, and I wanted to give two different sides of the sword. Obviously, I'm not as intelligent. I've got a passion for for education, but I, I'm much more hands on. I want to do things. You're very much, I believe the term's a bookworm, but there's nothing wrong with either of those. You've just got to do what you find how you learn best. And my my way was different to yours. I wouldn't say either of us are any more. Uh, intelligent than the other, but we we definitely have enough knowledge between us that I'd vote thirty years. <laughs> I think this. I think this is the thing. I think like looking at it now, it's we're coming up to roughly about forty-five minutes. And I, what I don't want people to take away from this is that don't become a coach, basically. And, <laughs> and, and you've touched on there. For me, I think. There is an awful lot of cons at times. And I guess we've got to come away from that idea of cons to more areas of improvement because I speak about diet, I speak about travel, I speak about health. These are all things that I need to be more disciplined myself to sort out. Um, but at the same time, they are still considerations. There we go. Considerations that need to be made. Mm-hmm. when taking sort of looking from this so i think there there is a lot of considerations that need to be taken into into consideration um however there is an awful lot of positives and i think the uh the weight and, and mass of of the positives severely outweigh the considerations i agree and i think i look i look at it now because I was a, because I am and I was a qualified football coach, sports coach. 
I've been able to, I've been able to volunteer in Africa, in in a primary school and a secondary school. I've been able to do two lots of three months out in the states, coaching and, and traveling at the same time. I've been able to work with various amount of people. Like, I'd love to know and break down how many people I see per week, per month, per year. And I'm not, oh, saying, I've had, I'm not saying that I've had an impact on each and every single one of them, but I'd love to know the number of people and hours that I've put in per coaching every year, every month, every week, and how many people I see because I get to have and hopefully create some wonderful relationships that are unique with those individuals. And it's, it's mind-blowing, the fact that I get to have all these experiences in different environments with different people. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And I think, and I think from what I can understand from, from academia over the last couple of years, that as a whole, coaches have a higher rate of ill being and men and uh, mental health illnesses sort of on par and burnout with the general public is slightly higher. However, football coaches and sports coaches actually have on average slightly higher job satisfaction than and then other people. So something must be unbelievable for us to be slightly higher chances of burnout and ill being with slightly higher than average job satisfaction. Like, and I think what was really interesting is I, I spoke to a colleague before I came on this call on my way back from work. And as I said, like, obviously very similar to myself has a full-time job, but then has part-time jobs on top. And I said, sort of like, what do you make of it? And he said, and I a hundred percent agree with him that, in this career, this environment, you will, you get out of it as much, you get out of it as much as you do based upon what you put in. And like yourself, mate, I'm, I'm putting some crazy hours per week, per month, per year on the off season, in holidays, weekends, you name it. And I am honestly getting some really, really rewarding moments from it. And, I think those some some of my highest highs in my life, other than family things, have have come from work and personal achievements that I have achieved through through football and, and being able to the experience that I've had because I've been a qualified coach. Yeah, and and I agree with you. There's, I, I I I might just be feeling a little bit aggy at the minute, but there's loads more pros than there is ever going to be cons within this the then as you said i think we mentioned it on the, again on the mental health one but um there was a statistic that came out i think it was two years ago um and they did a massive survey around coaches and the coaches felt they were the least paid they worked a large amount of hours larger than most but the the they had the highest amount of job satisfaction. So that there's something there, there's something that's right, but it that'll only come from the higher ups. It it, it won't come from 
from anyone else. It, it, and when when maybe when the higher up see the the you look after coaches to look after you. And and that, that just has to be a slight change and it'll get there. It will get there. And I think it'll happen very soon. But it'll just take a little bit of time. And we just have to be very patient. Um but yeah, there yeah, that's that's my view. No, absolutely. And I think I completely agree with you, mate. I think it's it's very rewarding, but it's very taxing at times and we've we've got to be better at how we deal with with those lows because I think sometimes when we hit those lows moments that they feel like they're gonna be there forever and that they're gonna keep coming. And then we take for granted the positives because we think once there's been a positive that's that's it. So no absolutely. And I hope I hope for everyone listening that there's even if there's been able to be one nugget or, or two things that you can take out of this and and feel like you can reach out to us and, and talk about football coaching or coaching in general as a career that or a pathway then please do because I'm still very, very happy and grateful and appreciative of the decisions that I've made regarding my work and my experiences through academia and education from there. And I think for me, I'm I'm still very grateful for it and and I hope you are too, Phil. Oh, I always will be. I've I've seen that I've seen nine of the most beautiful cities in the world. Sorry, I've just eleven. I've seen eleven of the most beautiful cities in the world, and I wouldn't have done that without coaching. So, yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's fine the way it is. We just have to find a way to make make it better, in my view, and we'll do that. With through this podcast, we'll do that, which actually brings me on to the next thing. If that's all right, Anth. I was about uh, to say, mate. I hope Newcastle is one of those cities, mate. Oh. Okay. I was technically I was born I was technically born here, so it did wasn't really football. But it, it, if you're here, it's got to be Newcastle. Um, <laughs> that the, I'm part of Newcastle. I, I, I don't count as a city. I count as a family. That was the cheesiest thing I've ever said in my entire life. Just to clarify. <laughs> um, so we asked your for your questions, our fantastic listeners. We, we, we only got three questions, but. Uh, we are trying to build our Instagram page up, which we are hoping to build. Uh, and I'll just pick the top three as two or three. I, I've had to message back just because I didn't understand the question. So, Anth, I'm going to ask you your first one. Um, Anth, you talk a lot about education. I want to know where your love of education came from and how it benefits you within your coaching role. That is a great question. Um, I've just heard a little I, bit of panic in your voice. <laughs> and I, I th- the reason, the reason why I say it's a great question, and I, why I'm slightly panicky about it as such, is that I always loved the experience of school when I was at school, in the respects of what it offered me socially, not necessarily what I learned. Don't get me wrong, I had three or four subjects that I quite enjoyed. I think it was history, well, history, P and science, really, and I was okay at maths. Um, but I loved 
I love the idea of how sort of you get to GCSEs, you kind of semi-pick roughly what you want to do. And then you get to A-level and then you have like, right, three to four subjects that you can semi-pick. And then when you get to university, you solely pick a topic that you want to you want to honour in and, and get a bachelor's in. So for me, it was very much like <laughs> getting told at 12, 13 years old by my family members that I'll never be good enough to be a football player. And that if I want a career in football and sport, which is something I love as a child, that I would need to find something else. And for me, the next obvious choice, and this wasn't just solely on my own, I was like 12, 13 years old at this time, um, was to be a football coach. And having never played any serious, decent level of football, um, straight away for, for anybody that has never played professionally and are a football coach, we're fully aware of the difficulties and the stigma the stereotyping behind how hard it is to make it professionally as a football coach. So for me, after a very difficult summer of some very, very depressing and shoddy A-level results, um, sort of got sat down by my parents to have a conversation about, right, look, you need to pull your finger out a bit here and, and try and come out of this with some qualifications and if you are to continue being a football coach, then what are you going to do to make yourself stand out from the next person? Because I look at it six, um, yeah, six, six, seven years ago when I applied to go to university to study football coaching, it still wasn't massively a thing. It wasn't massively something that was accessible uh, at university or, or college or anything like that. And it, it became from there. And, I went to university after having to retake the year at school because uh, because of grades, but I was so heavily focused and head down to achieving good grades and, and coming out of it that I got to university. I had a very, very supportive friendship group who were all very similar-minded to myself, same with my housemates, that I was able to get my head down and, and really fall in love with the idea of learning. And I... And, and that's exactly what happened. Course-wise, I had the most fantastic time because I'm going to university, I'm going to school, nine till three, nine till four, wherever it may be, to learn solely about my favourite topic and subject in the whole wide world. And for me, that completely blew my mind and I felt so privileged and so honoured to be able to do that, that it just something got sparked in me regarding learning. So I found myself in the library a lot, found myself researching on social media, getting in contact with people if they had any papers, any any academia, anything like that that I could put my hands on and, and use. And I suddenly developed this real love for learning and reading and just using social media to my advantage to get access to these things and experiences that, I think that's I think that's one of the reasons why I love football as well because it's really because of that it has then really developed a love for education because I got to the point where I could university was optional and it still is optional for any for anyone over eighteen 
but I had the option to go study what I thought was the best topic and subject in the whole wide world. Yeah. And I got to do that. Um, which, as a result of that, has kind of, well, I've now got my undergraduate. I've got a pretty good result. Not that it massively uh, it, it matters as such. I've done um, two and a half years working in a professional football club development centre. I've worked with a national governing body in their performance centres. Like I've had some amazing experiences. I've come out of a degree, but what's next? And I was like, right. And then it came a lot more apparent in my third year that there was a master's degree that was accessible. And for me, straight away, it was... If I suddenly start learning more about academia within football and sport and coaching, that it, it made more sense. It gave me more rationale for things that I was really doing. And it put science and more evidence behind what I was doing. And it gave me more confidence and more backing in what I was doing. So I really like the idea um, that was brought to me on a reflection from a coaching course the other week that what challenged you and what sort of consolidated what you do. It wasn't, it wasn't that idea of like, right. So what are you doing? Well, what are you not doing? Well, what are you doing? Right. What are you doing wrong? What are you, what, what's being consolidated by what you've learned on this course and what's being challenged. And that's the very much the mindset I took away from everything I picked up at uni and using that skills and ideas of why this, why that, and, and challenging those things then challenge me and my learning. So I find I find a lot of my coach delivery is very a mix of different coaching styles, things that I've found to be more effective for me, things that I've seen have been more effective for player learning and receiving of information and communication. And it kind of re-sparked my love for football because then I stopped playing before university and I was solely coaching. That's all I had. So I think that's, that's the main thing for me. And I think how I implement it consciously and subconsciously, I use different types of pedagogy within my delivery, my planning, um, especially around non-linear and looking at how I can construct and scaffold different ideas together and how we can use, experiences of learning through others through the environment and through the coach so that's definitely a, a lot of my delivery is around that um, where I know coaches have time seen my sessions and thought they were relatively fluffy um, in the way that I go about things but at times players receive that really well um, and especially I think having taken a lot more of an interest in the performance physical development side of of football and uh, sports science as such, taking a lot more interest in that and the psychological side. I think having those experiences and accessibility to academia and seeing what people who are some of the most intelligent people in the world regarding sports science and academia have have tried these things and they work, then some of it can massively be um, used in my own practice. Uh, but again, uh, people, people like Jose Mourinho um, have been referenced for some of the work they do around periodization. So, and you're looking at a lot more people now are, are gaining these degrees in 
in the world of of football and professional game. And I think that's really important. And funny enough, actually, one of one of the questions that I got asked Phil by somebody was, "What's your thoughts on non-professional coaches, non-professional players becoming coaches?" So from then, I think that's that's what's really important to think about is actually what experiences, knowledge and qualifications that can I get to help support my CV and the quality of my coaching for what I deliver to the players and the people that I work with? What can I do to make myself better, to make others better? And I think for me, if there is the opportunity and the accessibility of education in a formal manner and an informal manner, don't get me wrong, like, I have a lot of conversations with a lot of mates and colleagues via text, phone, coffee, go on webinars, CPD events, taking these moments to always find opportunities to pick up a book, speak to someone, anything like that, then I'm more than happy to do it. I'm, I have a lot of recommendations, I guess, on social medias and books. So if anyone does need any book recommendations, then please let me know. Maybe you could, uh, maybe we could add that as a weekly thing before the podcast. I think that, I think that would be really good. And if you wouldn't mind doing that, I know you share there on the CM uh, uh, uh things. If you send me it, I'll I'll post it on on our um, on our four AM podcast Instagram post as well. Um, and that means our listeners get to listen, uh, get to see that as well, and it's more it's more detailed. So thank you for that answer. I really appreciate it. Um, the next question was for me, and it's quite a funny one. Um, are the new are, are, are the are the cold showers actually nice? No, no, they're not. They're horrible. They're absolutely awful. But uh, I sit, you know what it is. I sit and I wait, and I'm like, I'm like, I've got to get in the shower. I have to get in the shower. I have to get in the shower. And then afterwards, I feel a million bucks. So at the time, no, it's not. It's uncomfortable. It's awful. It's minging. But afterwards, I feel a million bucks. Mental health is 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 booming. Uh, my energy's up. My head's good. So I just go through that uncomfortable stage, and then I'm fine. Um, but yeah, that's really it's really fun. So this one's more. Uh, this one's more. I think of a question for 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 both um are you going to move to youtube i would love to see what you guys do on there so the the, sh- the, the short answer is yes obviously it's just as a little bit of a reference me uh, uh, you put if you've listened to enough podcasts me and anthony are in two different parts of the country um now correct me if i'm wrong Anth, but the 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 idea was to come together and and do a little bit of tactical stuff, do a session, uh, and and do a whole series. Um, but obviously, when it is the big question, um, uh, have you got anything to say on uh, on either of those? To be fair, Anth, cold yeah, no, have you tried, have you tried the cold shower yet? No, no, I'm not Cow quite water. there, mate. I no, no, <laughs> hot water, please. Um, no, absolutely. I think as we grow and we develop together on this I think it's really important that we do come together at some point and we're fully aware of that I think um, roughly being maybe six to seven hours apart um, it, it has its moments where from there but no it is something we're looking to do um, I think not many people want to see our faces um, 
maybe, but um, got a face made for radio. <laughs> um, but no, absolutely. As as we develop and grow this together, then we're we're very open to more and new ideas, and we're hoping that this continues to grow the way it is because we've both been extremely overwhelmed by the people that have reached out to us and and the numbers that we're hearing on listeners on each episode. So we're massively grateful. And the more we hear from people, the more we can challenge or consolidate what we do. And I think that's what's really important for us both as well. Yeah. And, and by the way, I just want to, um, uh, a massive, uh, no, I may, I may say this wrong. I may say this wrong, but I'll give it a try. Uh, a massive thank you for, we are part of it. We're currently part of the syllabus to to learn to speak English and 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 uh and the different view point views uh of of a club uh within the within the world, um, uh, Asocio Sportiva São Domingos, um, so yeah, uh, we uh, apparently we're being handed out as is, is uh, some listening tools which which uh. I, 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 that you see, when we started this, I don't think either of us expected that halfway across the world. But amazing, amazing, and we really appreciate it. We we want your questions to come in. We want to answer them weekly. We want the podcast to do really well. Um, we've got loads of new things coming up. I've got great ideas for it. Um, and we we would love your support. But just keep messaging us on the, on Instagram and 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 the Twitter pages. We've got a website coming up. Um, where you're going to be able to read more blogs about myself and Anf. Uh, we've got guests coming up. So, I mean, the next four or five weeks look just mental, don't they, Anf? I mean, I can't wait. I can't wait for the next three, three few, uh, few four, well, four or five weeks. No, absolutely. We're very much looking forward to it. It's exciting and we're looking forward to what the future holds for both us with this pod um, and, and what you guys have in mind for us as well so from me guys thank you very much and from me thank you very much have a good night bye bye